0: So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 697 for the fifth of Hashvan in a regular year. So I remember back in the day when I was in seminary in Montreal in base Chayamushka. Uh, a teacher of ours, Rabbi Beryl Bell, who is actually my favorite teacher there, and he was also the director of the school at the time, taught a class entitled, if I'm not mistaken, "Inane Moshiach Ugeula, the uh, having to do with, it was uh, it was a class all about things having to do with Moshiach, with the Messianic era, and the redemption. And we looked at it from different perspectives, mostly from a Hasidic perspective. Uh, take, but also looking at Gemara, looking at um, looking at talks of the Rebbe, looking at all kinds of different sources having to do with things having to do with Mashiach, with the Messianic era. And one of the main focuses of one of the main source materials that we used for that class was actually the Rambam, who the Rambam has a whole section in his Yad HaZaka which is devoted to the laws concerning the Messianic era and how to prepare for the Messianic era, how to recognize Mashiach, all kinds of different things like that. And this was a long time ago, so I don't remember all of the details of the class. But the one thing that I do remember from the class, because this was something that he, that Rabbi Bell really drilled into us pretty much every single class over and over and over, is a very short phrase of what is Mashiach? If we want a definition of Mashiach, what is Mashiach? He had us repeat this in the whole class. We had to repeat this like a choir. Mashiach is Shleimus, Torah, and Mitzvahs which literally translates to mean the completion of Torah and mitzvahs. And the point, the reason why he had us repeat this over and over and what this really means essentially is this was actually kind of like a a contrasting definition to what many people mistakenly think of as Mashiach. Namely, a lot of people, like a lot of kind of, You know uh, a colloquial kind of understanding of what is the messianic era you ask like a child on the street sometimes like what what is Mashiach what is the Messiah what's gonna happen then you know people have this very futuristic image of people are gonna fly Um, candy is gonna grow grow on trees we're gonna live in spaceships (laughs) Uh, we won't have to work anymore money will be growing out of the ground all kinds of these kind of like magical things there will be unicorns and things like that and and what rabbi bell really tried to emphasize to us and this is really the stance of the rambam is that it's not going to be this magical thing it's not going to be you know yes there's a future time where there's going to be the resurrection of the dead that comes later but the actual messianic era is actually going to be a very normal world in uh quote-unquote normal world in the sense that we're going to be living according to the laws of nature we're still going to have to work. People will still die. There will still be people being born. It's it's going to be not that different physically, like in, in a natural order of the world sense, than the world we live in right now. The only difference is that Torah and mitzvahs will be will we'll be able to practice Torah and mitzvahs and everybody will be keeping Torah and mitzvahs to the fullest ability. Torah and mitzvahs were made for our worlds. They they were made for this physical reality that we live in and that is the ultimate manifestation of this physical reality is keeping these Torah and mitzvahs. So why are we bringing this up today and what does this have to do with the Tanya? So in this uh, Igeris that we've been learning, this epistle, Epistle 26 in Igeris HaKadosh, we've been discussing this whole idea of re- referring to the Torah as the tree of life versus the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And this particular epistle is actually a response to certain opposers. The, the Rabbi is writing this this response to certain opposers or certain people who had the wrong conception where they thought they were... they. They saw Torah as being divided into two parts. There was the Tree of of Life Torah, which is Kabbalah, mysticism, that kind of thing. And then there's the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, which they said, which people, certain people thought of as being more related to the laws of Judaism, like the Mishnah, the Gemara, the, the back and forth debates concerning Jewish law. And certain people refer to as the tree of knowledge and good, good and evil and we've already worked at trying to dispel this idea and we talked about how no the entire Torah is called the tree of life we say it's the tree of life to all who hold it and this does not just mean the mystical parts of Torah this means the Torah in its entirety And we brought different proofs for this yesterday we talked about how the, the mystical parts of Torah weren't even revealed so very recently in his in history and also the idea that like when we say the tree of knowledge of good and evil this implies evil this implies something negative and we can't say that there's something negative about Torah so we explored this you know somewhat in depth um you can go back and listen to yes- yesterday's episode to get a fuller glimpse of all this and today we're going to take a to go about it in a slightly different angle and we're going to talk about it from the perspective of along with this understanding of this misconception of the the oral law meaning like the legal aspects of Judaism the Mishnah and the Gemara and those kind of things uh, in addition to thinking of them in terms of being the tree of knowledge and good and evil there was sort of this misconception that it's not going to apply in the future that like when Mashiach comes we're not going to have to study Halacha anymore. We're not going to have to be involved in Jewish law. We're all going to be living in this like more angelic kind of state, and like these laws will be kind of like moot and won't be applicable anymore and the and and today's episode today's section of the Tanya is really here to really dispel this misconception and to really bring us back down to earth and make us very aware that these laws will be very much applicable in the times of Mashiach and will there, there will very much be a necessity to learn these laws so let's see how the Alter Rebbe explains this and so again for context we are in a, the middle of epistle 26 of Iggeres HaKodesh and the Alter Rebbe Um, begins this section and he says also we need to be it's it's wondrous he says another thing that we should be amazed by is that how can we how can we say that how is it possible that in the days of mashiach we won't need to know the halachas, uh the just the different laws of what's forbidden and what's allowed and what's impure and what's pure so uh because For example, we're going to, we know that in the times of Mashiach, we're going to have korbanos, we're going to have sacrifices, that we're going to have the base of Megdash is going to be established, right? And one of the main things that we do in the base of Megdash is bringing sacrifices, animal sacrifices. And these animal sacrifices that and uh and also not only animal sacrifices but also animals that we just use for regular you know we're going to eat animals and if we don't know the different laws and he brings some examples of different laws of drasa halada shahia and all kinds of different things that disqualify a person uh, uh a person from slaughtering an animal. Um, so these are different. We don't have to get into them now, but there's there's many different laws regarding what makes an animal kosher or not kosher. It's not just a simple thing of like this is a kosher animal, that's a not kosher animal. How do you how do you kill the animal? Is the animal um, not disqualified? Is it qualified to be sacrificed? Is it qualified to be eaten? Or for example, the knife that you use for shchita, it needs to be a kosher knife. It can't be a defective knife. So if we don't learn halacha. Uh, during that time how are we going to know how to do these things how are we going to know how to bring sacrifices what animals are okay to eat and that kind of thing and so like the ultra-arba says sarcastically is it going to be that like people are going to wake up and like by nature they'll just like magically only slaughter uh, animals perfectly they won't have to come into these issues of shahia or drasa uh, or like the, the knife they use is just gonna be like perfect and it won't have a blemish on it. Like we're just gonna naturally have these things happen to us. No, that's, doesn't make sense. We're gonna have to know the laws. Not only that, in terms of the laws of Shkita, there's also a lot of different laws, uh, for having to do with the, with the, um, sacrifices in the temple that have to do with the the fat of the animal, the blood of the animal, and all kinds of other prohibitions that come up. People will also have to know about the impurity relating to dead people uh, because we know that in the future, again, this is another misconception, people think that there's no longer going to be death in the times of Mashiach, and in fact we see that this is a citation here from Yeshayahu chapter 65 verse 20 about the Messianic Messianic era, where it's going to say a young man will die at the age of 100 which means, okay, 100 is a nice long, ripe year but uh, but people will still pass away during this time again, as a caveat, there is a time later on where there will not be any death, uh, and there's going to be in fact the resurrection of the, de- of the dead and people who died will come back to life but this, the, this preliminary stage of Mashiach, there still will be death and not only that, we'll know that like people will give birth. And so there's certain laws of impurity that relate to giving birth. And we're going to have to know about these different laws of impurity. So, uh, so, so right. Like, so we see like, for example, in Yirmiyahu chapter 31, verse seven, where it says, <inaudible> which means, a woman, a pregnant woman and one who gives birth together. So meaning to say that this prophecy of Yirmiyahu, what was he prophesying about was that in in this time, this messianic era, people, women will give birth immediately. They won't have to wait this long period of like the nine months. It's like a woman will get pregnant and give birth immediately. So sure, that's a great miracle. That's really amazing. But they're still going to be giving birth. And if a woman will be giving birth every day, and in fact, it's taught that they're going to be giving birth to multiple babies even just from one union so uh, it's going to be triplets quadruplets whatever it is so if this is happening there's going to be a lot of birth that's happening at that time so thus we really need to know the laws that have to do with the impurity regarding childbirth there's a lot of laws in that in that regard and these laws won't change like they're the laws that we know of now regarding impurity are going to be the same laws in the future to come and then the ultra rabbi goes on and he says we don't need to uh, talk about this more. We don't have, need to dwell on this idea at length. Um, we know that actually we see in the Talmud and the Midrashim explicitly, we see that it explicitly says the opposite of what people think about the fact that there's not going to be laws in the time of Mashiach. We see that, in, and here he cites Sanhedrin, Masechet Sanhedrin, page 51b, where it says, Hilchata there's a question there asked, a law, a law for the time of the Mashiach. Meaning to say that like what, what's going on in the Gemara there, just to explain that, is that they're having a discussion and then somebody says, uh, why state now a law that will only apply in the times of Mashiach? So the implication of that is that there will be laws in the times of Mashiach. It's not going to be like just like this, like free for all just, you know, everybody does whatever they want kind of situation, it's going to be, there are going to be actual laws. And we also know that there's this idea that uh, that's taught that Eliyahu Hanavi is going to come, he's part of the process of Mashiach coming, and he's going to come and clarify all du- doubts regarding halacha so it's not that there's not going to be halacha. it's not that there's not going to be jewish law just everything will become more clarified and uh and the altar brings a citation here from uh the gemara and menachos page 45a which um which says this that that uh that that Navi will come and will expound upon this particular passage. So there are certain things in the Gemara that remain unclear, certain things in Jewish law that remain unclear. And Eliyahu Navi is going to come and he's going to explain it to us, enlighten us in that way. And Okay, now he's going to move on to another part of that original citation that we had from the Ramahamna, how we started out this epistle, where it said, if you recall, go back a couple of episodes if you need a refresher on this, that we talked about how the Torah scholars will not be sustained by illiterate people, et cetera. Like we find nowadays that that a lot of, tourist scholars they need to be dependent upon businessmen who support them and sometimes these businessmen are not uh the best of people they might be considered like kind of we can consider them the mixed multitude or whatever that eat what, what that which is not allowed or like maybe they don't eat kosher you know something like that so somebody could think like kind of like this 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 understanding Mashiach that we're trying to debunk here is that this is going to be something unique to the messianic era is that in the messianic era, these Torah scholars will no longer need to be sustained by these common kind of people or by the mixed multitude who eat things that are not pure or unfit or forbidden or that kind of thing but we find that this messianic this well this is true this is what's going to happen in the times of mashiach this isn't unique to the times of mashiach because we see that actually in the time of the second basal Magdash, we see that torah scholars indeed at that time were not, also not supported by illiterate people who ate Things that were forbidden and um, and richly unfit, God forbid. Because at that time, during the time of the second base of Mikdash, the Torah scholars actually had their own fields and their own vineyards, just like everybody else, just like the regular folk. So we see that this isn't something that's unique to the times of Mashiach. And and along with that, when we look at, okay, so we have this template already in the time of the second base of Mikdash of this already happening, that the scholars were not dependent upon illiterate people. Nevertheless, at that time they were still involved. We don't see that like Torah study went out the window and the study of Jewish law went out the window. During the times of the, Mikdash, the second Basil Magdash, they were very much involved in Torah study of what's forbidden, what's allowed, what's impure, what's pure, all those kinds of things. Like we see that during that time of the second Basim there were these scholars, these very high scholars, These they were known as the Zugot, the, the pairs. There were five pairs of scholars who ruled over the the supreme court at that time so they were there and what do, what were they ruling over obviously they they ruled over these laws it, there was a legal thing going on and these pairs of scholars they uh, they had many dis- disciples and um, in fact, thousands and tens of thousands of disciples. Well, when we look at the study of the more mystical aspects of the Torah, like the more Kabbalistic aspects, this was reserved for just a few people and it took place in secret. So, in fact, we see that at the time of the Second Basin Wikdash, in fact, the study of Jewish law was actually a lot more rampant than the study of Kabbalah, which really, again, really demonstrates to us that the study of Torah, the simple basic Jewish laws of Torah is something that is not just like Something that is reserved for the time of exile, and that it contains like there's like an element of negativity within it. It really is the tree of life, just like the mystical aspects of the tree of life, and and it's going to be very much relevant in the times of Mashiach. So I'll conclude on the note of again how Rabbi Bell trained me so well that what is Mashiach, what's going to happen in the times of, of Mashiach. Literally, the definition is that it's going to be shlemos Torah and mitzvahs, the fulfillment of Torah and mitzvahs, which means we'll still learn Jewish laws. Things will just be a lot more clear to us. And we'll actually be practicing Judaism to the fullest extent that we're all supposed to be. Everybody's going to practice it. Keep the Torah and mitzvahs as they should be. And that's it for today. And we'll continue along these lines tomorrow. And I will speak to you then